What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Fourth in Infinity. It was week 12 in the NFL season this past week. It was Thanksgiving week. Hope you all had a good holiday. I did. I think the rest of us did as well. Uh, well, maybe maybe one of us didn't have such a great Thanksgiving. We'll get to that in uh, in short order here. Uh, but let me introduce the boys. First off, I'm Nick, the resident Chiefs fan of the group. Uh, first up, we have Bobby. How you doing, bub? Had some great food, you know, mm-hmm. hung out with family, had some drinks. And unfortunately, I watched a football game. We'll find out very quickly how that game went. Uh, also, here is Janev. How you doing, bud? For this one moment, everything is great. Mm. Don't ask me how I'm doing next week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll see how you guys are doing next week. Uh, you also had a game on Thursday. Arcadio, you and I had a game with each other on Sunday. How you doing? I'm doing all right. You know, the Raiders didn't win. We'll get to that later. But uh, I did have a good Thanksgiving. I played football with my cousins, mm-hmm. uh, destroyed my hamstring. I was going to say, process, how's the hammy but... doing? But, you know, that's that's the price of ball. Ball, it, ball don't quit. Is it ball as is swollen away. as Max Crosby's knee? Oof. Ooh, probably not that swollen. Probably not that swollen. Uh, but I, I tell you what, walking around Costco the next day, I was definitely regretting my choices. Mm-hmm. Are you still on the injury report right now? Um, yeah, day to day. Day to day. Day to day. List me as limited for today. Okay, gotcha. All right. Uh, yeah, I hope you all had a great holiday, and without any further ado, we'll get right into it with the uh, recaps of our teams. Like I said, uh, starting with Bobby, our teams played on Thursday. First game of the day, Lions with their traditional Thanksgiving game. They hosted the Packers in this game. Packers 29, Lions 22. Bobby, take us through this one. Ah, well, again, <laughs> I, I had so much hope for getting our, you know, our first Thanksgiving win, and in, in this would be, uh, we've lost the last six, so this would have been the seventh here trying to get to snap that streak. Um, obviously that didn't happen. Uh, this looks a lot different than when we played the Packers the first time early in the season. I did say last week, Jordan Love was looking good. Uh, he wasn't looking this good. Um, the Lions defense in early goings was, was not great. I think what it really came down to is uh, turnovers again, which is for the second straight week, which is something that they can clean up, but it's worrying if it, if it keeps happening. Basically, the Lions, again, for the second straight game, got down two scores early and put ourselves in a hole. Goff, like this, it wasn't the interceptions this time. He just fumbled three times, twice that really were true, like turnover turnovers. One was a uh, fourth down that would have been a stop anyways um, on a sack. But the Packers started fast. Uh, They got a a long play right away to to Watson, uh, Christian Watson down the field. And like, it was like, I barely like was ready for this to even happen. And they were down the field. Yeah, it was the um, first play from scrimmage. It was the very first play from scrimmage, play action down the left side. And, like, we had time to get there. Sutton and I think Tracy Walker were over there and just couldn't – they just they didn't react well to the ball in time. Um, that's been a, a problem lately in our secondary, which is why we've been getting pretty beat early on, like, with just the passing game. Um, but the, we, we answered right back, so it's like, okay, well, you know, we gave up that touchdown, but the Lions offense is still rolling. Uh, with a touchdown to Laporta, but we missed the extra point, which is just kind of how this game went. Like for the Lions, just kind of nothing was going our way. Um, right away, gave up another long touchdown drive, uh, and then we get the ball back and fumble, um, and it was returned for a touchdown. This was the um, you know empty hand going forward, not whistled on the field. Uh, half the players, like Amon Ra, who was kind of right there, like didn't really react. Thought it was an incomplete pass, um, and the the D, the corner just picked it up and and returned it in and that was uh unfortunately just just put us down 20 to 6 uh really early. The second half was much better especially on defense. We were down 23-6 going into it cuz we we gave up another field goal. 
Um, the defense then only gave up, you know, six more points, one touchdown that the entire second half. And one of the touchdowns that was given up in the first half was um, fumble recovery. So the, it, the defense was a little better than it looked, but we still gave up two real easy touchdown drives. The Lions tried, like we had saw some good drives. We had a, a Montgomery touchdown to start the half, um, gave it to him again, got the two point. Then the defense again forced a punt. But I think the moment that really sealed it is that on that next drive, after we forced the punt, we get fourth and four from our own 23, and Dan calls a horrible uh, fake punt. And this is like, we had a chance at this point, I think, to climb back into it if we just tried to play the field position game and trust our defense a little bit. But instead, I think he felt we hadn't stopped him all first half, really, like for the most part. And, you know, we just need to score and score and score. And I think that's where he gets kind of burned and I hope he learns from that because it was a for one the Packers were ready for it like everyone was was stacked up and ready for any type of fake um, and we snapped it to a, a linebacker so it's like not even not even one of our best guys to really give it to uh, and it wasn't even close mm-hmm. but that that then we just gave up you know, the only points we gave up in the second half were off that turnover they get the ball they right away basically score a touchdown uh, and it, that pretty much put it away like we we again we scored, we had multiple um, fourth downs that just didn't go our way, and I think if we didn't give up that touchdown off that um, the fake, then we would have been in position to kick more field goals and just like keep it a game for longer. So it was it was a frustrating watch. Uh, one of the big things that was weird for the Lions is that the the line just didn't hold up. Uh, our our line is our offensive line has been the the strength of our team, and. Uh, Goff was getting pressured and sacked like pretty constantly. I think he was over half the snaps. He was under pressure. Um, I have to look up how many sacks we gave up, but he got hit and, you know, stripped and sacked multiple times. Um, And Goff is not someone that can, you know, he's not Justin Fields. You know, he's not someone that's going to step outside the pocket and make plays. Um, He needs that protection. So we got to step that back up. Like we we had uh, one of our main guys, Jonah Jackson, out, and I think he's going to be out again. But like we've had guys out early in the year and still did a lot better than we did this game. So hopefully that's just like a correctable, weird game. It was frustrating. You know, it puts us at eight and three still in a really good spot, especially because of the primetime game that happened uh, last night with the Vikings um, losing. So we're up two and a half games in the division. Um, the Vikings are six and six Packers are five and six Lions eight and three. I think we're pretty much out of that, you know, looking for that one seed kind of hope that some people had. And I was, you know, optimistically looking at it, but it's not something that I, you know, I didn't want to jinx that. I think that's kind of out of the question, even with Philly's schedule, but the uh, Philly winning a tough game kind of sealed that deal. Uh, and now we're just looking like, I just want to take this division. We haven't won it, you know, since the nineties, let's just take the division, um, get that home playoff game and go from there. So I'm not, you know, it was, it was a tough, frustrating game, but I'm not, you know, all doom and gloom. Uh, I think, you know, we have some very winnable games coming up. I think, you know, the Broncos game is going to be tougher than we, th- we thought, and the Cowboys are going to be tough. Um, but the rest, like, should be, like, this upcoming game against the Saints. Like, I'm hoping we can put together a better performance and just close this out and get the division. So, yeah, not a great Thanksgiving for any Lions fans, but uh, I don't think it's, it, it is as doom and gloom as I hear and see you know, on Twitter and, and YouTube and, and the radio <laughs> here course. that, you know, everyone overreacting to this game. 
Mm-hmm. It was a bad game. We play, It was two two weeks in a row that we kind of played similar football. One game we pulled out a win. One game we didn't. I don't think it's a, you know, I don't think it's a trend until we do this again. And I don't expect us to. Dan Campbell is going to get this team, team into shape and put out a better performance than we did. So that's where I'm at. It's a, it was a tough loss, bad game, uh, tough Thanksgiving, but you know, I'm optimistic still towards the last half of the or last part of the season here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, as for your sack question, looks like it was three sacks total for the Packers and they were all by Rashawn Gary. That's all that was officially recorded, but um, yeah. And, but they were all in big, I feel like all three were in very big moments mm-hmm. and, and also just Goff was under pressure and, and hit and, you know, like the fumble, his arm was hit. That's, I don't know if they count that as it's, I don't think that's a sack, but it was essentially, essentially mm-hmm. it was. The tone was set, like you mentioned, from that first play, the deep shot to Watson. It was just like, oh, that's the kind of game this is going to be. Mm-hmm. Like the Packers realized the situation that they're in, and they realized they have to start being aggressive. And credit to them, they looked pretty dang good throughout this game. Like you said, they got slowed down in the second half. But yeah, I mean, that first half stretch where they got touchdowns through two, the first two drives and then immediately got that defensive touchdown to put up 20 points pretty quick in the first quarter. And, and that was really all they needed in this game. They were able to keep the momentum up well enough and uh Lions made threatened to make a comeback here and there in the second half and they scored again toward the end but it was just too little too late but yeah I mean the Packers are coming along to a degree you, you mentioned obviously Jordan Love has been looking better um I think obviously this week against Kansas City is going to be the uh, another big test for them to see how real they are but they're legit right in the middle of that NFC playoff hunt, hunt for that seven seed which is wide open right now yeah. so yeah, I mean, I wasn't expecting this from them two or three weeks ago, and they're just putting together a little run here. We'll see if they can sustain it. But yeah, Lions will be fine. They seem uh, at worst, at worst, they'll get a, a, a three seed unless some, somehow a miracle happens with a, with an NFC South team, which I don't foresee. Um, yeah, Lions are in good shape still as a team. Teams have losses like this every now and then. So I, yeah, like like you said, wouldn't be too concerned about them. I'm more interested in, in how the Packers are going to be down the stretch, personally. Oh, just very quickly, just because you touched on Jordan Love again, um, seeing his his progress from the first time we played them till now, like he was oh, very yeah. panicked in the pocket and was taking way too long, and the Lions were able to get sacks on him like all game the first one, and mm-hmm. he was getting the ball out extremely quickly this game, and I don't know if that was specifically because of how the Lions played them last time or if it was just his progress, but he was much cleaner uh, yeah. and making his reads a lot faster. Going off of um, the Packers playing themselves into the NFC wildcard race. Um, yeah, they play the Chiefs this coming week. But then down the stretch, they play the Giants in New York, the the Buccaneers at home, the Panthers in Carolina, the Vikings in Minnesota, and the Bears at home to finish the season. Mm. And um, that's, that's no gauntlet of a schedule no. to me. I think it, it's very realistic for the Packers to sneak in in like the seventh seed, and which, which is a – a playoff spot that's really up for grabs in the NFC because I don't think beyond the Cowboys there's really a clear wild card front runner. No, yeah, that's a very attainable nine and eight or even ten and seven record for them right there. So we'll see if they can keep the momentum going, but that's a very very favorable schedule for them. The moon was in the wrong phase that night. Yeah, destined to lose. Yeah, clearly that was the reason. Um, yeah. Uh, no, I the the real thing I have is that uh, it was interesting to see Dan Campbell's uh. Play calling on fourth down. There was a video that was put out by one of my favorite reporters, Mina Kimes, about fourth down decision making and analytics based decision making, and and how um, you know when to go for it, when not to go for it, what the models say, and how the models work, and and all of that. And uh, it was it was interesting because uh, it was one of those games where uh, he went for it like five times, I think, and didn't get it a single time. 
on fourth down and um you wonder like how the game flow looks differently if he doesn't do that but i think it's it's one of those things where when you've won so many games by having that kind of decision making and that kind of play calling that you go ahead and you make those decisions and those play calls i think maybe it was a little too aggressive because it just wasn't working that on thursday but uh by the same token it's like all you need is one of those to go your way and then boom, you're right back in this game and it's a way different story. So a bit of being unlucky. I, I wonder though, if this turnover problem, like that's kind of appeared in the last two games, like becomes a bigger deal or if it just goes away. And, and one would hope that at this point in the season, these kind of problems just kind of go away and you don't have to deal with them anymore, but um, it'll be interesting to watch the lines down the stretch. And uh, I think that the one seed, um, based on another game that we'll probably talk about uh, is out of the question. But that two-seed fight, I think, is going to be a real one. And I think that the, the Niners and the Lions fighting for that two-seed, as much as it won't be as big of a deal, it, it could determine second-round seeding for being at home. And being at home uh, will make a pretty big deal at that point in the playoffs. So, yeah, excited to watch both teams going down the stretch. To to talk about the just briefly the the fourth down stuff, I think a lot of that was a product of how down we were early and, and, you know, in that game. And I do think some of it was too aggressive, but like you said, if like the, the one I had the major issue with was just the fake punt. That was the one he just shouldn't have done. And he said it in the press conference after the rest of them. I really don't have an issue with watching how he coaches his games in the past and how it's worked. Um, I don't want him to lose that spark that like makes our team who we are. And like, this was a game that you, had to be aggressive to try to get back in it. Like if one of those does work, like, you know, we lost by a touchdown. So we, we could have been right back in the game. So I I don't have too big of an issue with a lot of those. All right. Moving on from that one, we're going to stay on Thursday. Jane of your team played on Thursday night. It was the Niners going to Seattle to play the Seahawks, which I know you mentioned before the historical precedent of some Niner Seahawks Thanksgiving games in years past. You're a little bit worried going into this one. Was it well-founded? Uh, no, apparently Seattle's worse than I thought they were. <laughs> uh, Gino is dealing with an injury coming into this game, and he did not look right in this game. Um, so that was part of it. I think part of it also is that the offensive play calling in Seattle has been kind of weird. Um, I don't know. I personally think that they have a really good receiving room, and then they, they didn't really put that to use. But uh, I think on the flip side, the Niners' defense is coming into form. We traded for Chase Young, and we talked about that on the podcast a few weeks ago. Um, actually at the trade deadline, so almost a month ago now, but, uh, Chase Young stepped in and has made a pretty big impact on our defensive line. So that, uh, created a lot of pressure. And then, uh, Traverius Ward seems to have, uh, Traverius Ward is our cornerback. He seems to have DK Metcalf's number and kind of shut him down. Uh, and then Brock Purdy stepped up and made plays. Uh, so I think it was like kind of an all around game. It's one of the first times this season, um, especially since that five game winning streak that, the team has put together an all-round performance in an environment where I didn't expect them to. Um, I think that the, you know, the Seahawks are a team that until last season, like we had rarely beat them. Um, last season, we beat them three times in the season, twice in the regular season, once in the playoffs. And then going up to Lumen Field's always a difficult game, uh, I think. When it was CenturyLink, it was the loudest stadium. Now it's Lumen Field is one of the loudest stadiums. Like it's definitely uh, a tough place to play, and that Thanksgiving game from 2014 still like 
is a nightmare vision for a lot of 49ers fans. Uh, and I think that like, to me, the, the game kind of uh, came together when Brock Purdy started making plays and yeah, he gave up a pretty poor pick six, but that was the only touchdown that the Seattle uh, team scored and the offense only put up six points. So uh, when you can limit a team to 13 points, usually you win. Uh, and uh, I would, I would say Brock Purdy had a pretty solid game. Uh, I wouldn't say it was his best game, but it's definitely really uh, up there. And uh, when he when he had to make plays, he did. And there was a pretty sweet throw to Ayuk through quadruple coverage. Uh, and uh, Ayuk ends up in the end zone, and that kind of sealed the game. So, yeah, it was it was good. It was good to see the 49ers, like, I feel like, really take on a division rival and put up, like, a solid performance which is always something that has been questionable until recently. And, and Seattle's kind of on the back foot uh, and San Francisco's kind of taking a step forward in that division, especially as we get later down the stretch. So uh, we'll see how it plays out. I was going to mention um, Seattle. They're also missing Kenneth Walker. I think they're a different team when Kenneth Walker isn't playing. Oh yeah. I don't think Zach Charbonnet is that dude really. He gets work, but he just doesn't really seem to do anything with his opportunities. And uh, he's in danger of missing this coming game against the Cowboys, too. So that's that's a rough one for the Seahawks. Um, they've got a rough schedule down the stretch. Like I mentioned, uh, kind of the opposite of what I mentioned with um, the Packers. The reason why I didn't mention the Seahawks as a, as a wild card front runner is because their schedule, they have to play the Cowboys. They have to play the Niners, both on the road. They host the Eagles. Um, they play the Titans, which isn't too bad of a matchup, but... The Titans are still one of those teams where they can come alive on any given week. Um, they play the Steelers at home on New Year's Eve. It's another tough one. And they close the season against the Cardinals. Um, like you mentioned with, with Kenneth Walker, K-9 being out. Um, yeah, that I think that definitely makes a difference in just how the defenses can play Seattle because he's a guy that, and I've heard some coaches like mention this before and like some people talking about film, is like he's someone that he can he can score at any point. He's that kind of, he has that explosiveness in him and it makes them kind of back off and play a little bit safer instead of crashing down. Charbonnet is more of a, he's going to try to hit the hole and he's going to try to hit someone hard. Um, and he, that's a valuable guy to have, but to miss the the guy that can be that explosive, you know, one big play guy for you is is pretty massive. Um, and I think it it lets them play more coverage and lets them, it, it lets them, uh, get to Gino a little bit more and just let him try to make the plays. And I think especially with him injured, it didn't really give them much of a chance. Yeah. I mean, like you mentioned down the stretch is not a favorable schedule for them. That looks very much like an eight and nine ending to the season for them, you know, unless they can really put something together, but yeah, it's, it's tough for Seattle right now. They are cold at the, at the wrong time and they're banged up at the wrong time. And they were cold at the end of the year last year too. And just, and snuck yeah. in mm-hmm. um, it's On kind the of last a good week. trend at this point. Yeah. Yeah which I'm sure you have no be- uh, ill memories of that no, week at all. definitely not. not None at all. at all. Nope, nope, nope. Nope, nope, nope. All right, moving on from that one, we go to Sunday. Interpod matchup, we have the Chiefs and the Raiders. This one happened in Allegiant Stadium. So we're going to follow the trajectory of this game here, sort of. Arcadia, you get like the first quarter of this. Go ahead. Sure. Um, the Raiders came out and started really strong. They got the ball to start the game. They went right down the field. Aiden O'Connell, uh, he looked like, Probably the most impressive that he's looked uh, so far. Um, he just he has this accuracy to him. 
that like he puts the ball like right where the receiver can get it and the defender cannot and that those are just traits that you can't really like teach and that that's something to to be impressed with um in their evaluation of him going forward but yeah they went right down the field they punched it in um scored a touchdown early uh got a nice stop on defense got the ball back um they led another impressive drive but uh they kind of got cowardly towards the end of it and they were punished with a missed field goal yeah but they they were dominating the time of possession very early on um chiefs again it seemed like couldn't really figure the raiders out in the beginning of the game and um uh the following drive the raiders had i believe um josh jacobs just broke loose and went 63 yards to the house and raiders were up 14 nothing it was reminding me a lot of the um the monday night football game last season mm-hmm. at allegiant stadium i believe it was that was an arrowhead where the raiders that was an arrowhead okay yep. where the raiders jumped out yes yes you're right the raiders jumped out to a big lead and it seemed like maybe they had a chance at get, pulling off the upset but very similar to that game um the raiders defense kind of started to get worn down a little bit by by Patrick and the Chiefs offensive line and um Andy Reid started figuring out some things to exploit and well the Raiders just couldn't seem to put it together after that um came out of the second half and couldn't really put anything together on offense Aiden O'Connell started to get rattled like he did against the Dolphins and that's definitely something to worry about but uh yeah I'll let you take the rest Okay. Uh, yeah, you mentioned uh, the how the, the good start the Raiders had. They had, I did the math, 221 yards of offense between their first three drives, the two touchdowns and the missed field goal, and then they only were able to get 137 the entire rest of the game. That's kind of indicative of how that how how, how that game started and how that game ended for, for the Raiders. I was a little bit worried watching the Chiefs defense at the start of this one. They were just letting the Raiders have pretty much anything they wanted. And Chiefs defense, as we've mentioned throughout the year, has been very stingy. But this uh, this game, they were struggling at the beginning. They were able to figure things out. Um, they weren't really able to get a ton of pressure on, O'Con- on uh, O'Connell, I felt like, which was something that was concerning me. But they were able to get it figured out. And more importantly, they were finally able to get th- some things figured out on offense. Chiefs, I think, historically have been a very good second quarter team. And this was another example of that. Um, once we got in the second quarter, things started to click a little bit. I think the big thing is that they should at least have figured out who their big three their big three weapons are, which are obviously Kelsey, then Pacheco, and Rasheed Rice. Those are the guys that need to be the core of the offense. And when you feed all of them, good things happen, and they all got fed very well in this game. Pacheco got two touchdowns. Rasheed Rice got over 100 yards plus a touchdown. Kelsey had a bounce-back game. He got almost 100 after he's kind of struggled the last couple of weeks. But, yeah, I mean, they're a demonstrably different team when those guys are all, like, when any of those guys are clicking, but when they're all clicking, they – they actually look like the Chiefs offensive old, which I haven't seen nearly enough of this year for my liking. But yeah, Chiefs were able to take control back of this one uh, by halftime. It felt like things were pretty well in their favor. And then the second half, they finally uh, put some scoring drives together. They, uh, yeah, I mean, they ended up scoring 31 in this game overall and ended up being 31-17 in the final. The the defense got their shit together in the second half and the offense uh, kept their foot on the gas for the most part, did what they needed to do. This is a pretty, uh, pretty good Chiefs win here. I was little concern in the first quarter, but the rest was fairly smooth sailing. And uh, this is the first time I've been really happy after a Chiefs win since probably that Chargers game a couple 
like five, six weeks ago now, which was also 31-17. This is the best that they've looked offensively since then for for sure. And the defense, it struggled in the beginning, but they got the shit together. So I'm uh, I'm fairly happy with this one. We have a fairly easy schedule down the stretch. All of our teams that we play the rest of the of, of the season are currently at 500 or worse. So it's a good stretch of get right games in theory for the Chiefs. They have an opponent that's tougher than their record, I would say, in Buffalo upcoming. But the rest of their season is looking pretty favorable. So I'm happy right now, especially, you know, after the frustration of the Eagles game and the last couple of games before that being very frustrating in their own right, even though we won against the Dolphins and things like that. So I'm pretty pleased. I also just wanted to shout out uh, Max Crosby, who was, didn't really practice the entire week. He he had a knee issue, and I think in on Thursday they even said he was at the hospital he, yes. for like illness or whatever. And so he was doubtful to play, and he was just pushing the entire weekend to to get on the field. And he was the he became the first doubtful player I think in the NFL oh, this say. season to to be active. Mm-hmm. And he had a pretty nice game. Like he didn't play all the snaps. They were they were monitoring um his his snaps and all that but he did get a sack against Patrick mm-hmm. and I think he's he's the defender in the NFL that sacked Mahomes the most I think so currently yeah I yep. believe with like six yeah both sides only got one sack uh Karloftis sacked his old teammate O'Connell and then Crosby got that sack on Mahomes so uh not a great day in terms of sacks but uh yeah it was cool to see Crosby play and beat the designation I hope he can you know get right um and everything like that but yeah, I mean, props to him for at least getting through this game, even though it didn't go the Raiders' way. Yeah, shout out Max Crosby. Um, on uh, I just watched the first episode of the midseason Hard Knocks um, mm. with the Dolphins, and the first week was against the Raiders um, that they covered. And so it was a lot of um, some cool behind the scenes of, one, how they were trying to prepare for him, and then also just players reacting to how good he actually is uh, live, who hadn't seen him play before. So um mm. I think Arcadio, if you watch that, you'll get some enjoyment out of that. I'll probably check it out. All right, there you go. So that's how our teams did. Let's bounce around the rest of the league. So AFC South matchup. I believe this was a battle for leadership of the South. Uh, Jags 24, Texans 21. This was another fun game. CJ Stroud is fun to watch. And with the Jags are cooking, they're also fun to watch. Um, CJ Stroud looked, once again, phenomenal. He had a couple of bad plays. Like, he took a sack he didn't need to. Um, but was hitting Tank Dell in the first half. Um, there was one that got called back. It was like a 50-something yard. it shouldn't have been. And it shouldn't have been called back. But, yeah, CJ Stroud, he's just a really fun player to watch. Mm-hmm. Like, his mobility in the pocket, like, he, de- he doesn't look to run all the time. That's the one thing that's really impressive about him. Mm-hmm. And his mobility in the pocket is just, like, next level, almost elite, I would say. Yeah. Like, near, near Mahomesian level very poised like like you said not looking to run like that's a lot of rookie quarterbacks who have the skills to run will just as soon as they see a, an opening and, and you know something's not there they're gonna pull it down he's looking downfield and not just looking down to like check it down he's looking way downfield like the entire time and yes. hitting some big plays um that tank dell one was i think if it had been if it had uh i was gonna say this actually yeah. Been, yeah, yeah it would have been the longest air yards like catch in the nfl ever um, right if that counted ever yeah yeah if it counted it was like 67 yards in the air i think yeah the one i always um, think of is the michael vick one to deshaun jackson yeah. from that monday night football game i don't know if that was the record holder or not but yeah i mean I'm this sure but this didn't look as pretty as that one did but still an incredible feat and you know that's one of those plays where like rules be damned uh that should that that shit should count 
Well, and everyone was pointing out like it really shouldn't have been a penalty. And yeah. the uh, this whole game, the the refs on both sides, like it was, they were frustrating everyone. Like mm-hmm. there were a lot of really really ticky tack defensive holding calls, um, and like you know contact downfield and all that, and just some things that usually is like you always let that go, or there really was nothing there on the replay. Um, and that was a lot of the talk on Twitter uh, when I was looking at people talking about this game. Um, but, you know, it still was a close game, came down to the end. It almost, I, I can't believe that how close this kick got at the very end of the game that the, that Houston had to try to tie it. Because what was it, a 58 yard? 58 It was a long yeah. field goal. Mm-hmm. This is the one that bounced off the bottom of the goalpost, right? It did, yeah. So it was 24-21. They tried a... Um, it was a 58 is what it yeah, says 58. on ESPN mm-hmm. um, hit the the bottom. Yeah. Hit the crossbar and bounced out. Like it was probably an inch or two from going the other way yeah, uh, and going to overtime. So Stroud almost pulled it off again, mm-hmm. but yeah, two, two impressive teams and impressive young quarterbacks. I was gonna, just going to say real quick. I can't believe my eyes. Calvin Ridley with two consecutive good games has not happened all season. And he did it. Yeah. It, lo- it was fun to watch CJ Stroud. I, I have tanked all on my fantasy team. So, I'm always kind of keeping an eye on that game tuned in and seeing some of the plays and unfortunately seeing some of them get get called back was pretty frustrating. But if this is what the Jags Texans matchup is going to be, you know, going forward, I'm, I'm very excited. Mm -hmm. I think that they have a lot of, uh, there's a lot of talent on both teams. And I think that both teams are well coached. Uh, I think D'Amico Ryan's, uh, has come out and in some ways like shocked a lot of people. Like I would say that the fact that the Texans were competing for a division at this point in the season um, and at this, like in this season feels like a year early or even two years early from what would be like their peak. Like Trevor Lawrence has been around for a while and uh, this is, uh, you know, obviously last season, but this season feels like this Jags team's even more complete and like feature rich and the Texans team almost took it to him. And, uh, yeah, it was a few plays, uh, and a few missed calls and, and the Texans definitely could have had a, an even better chance to win this game. Um, so I'm really excited for the Texans future, obviously rooting for D'Amico Ryan's, uh, have a soft spot for that guy and, and seeing CJ Stroud and Tank Dell and, um, and that team operate has uh, been really fun. Uh, moving on from that one, we have the Colts hosting the Bucks. Uh, two teams in playoff contention, the Bucks just because of the division that they're in, and the Colts because they're somehow stringing together a decent season against all odds with Jonathan Taylor being hurt at the start of the season, then Anthony Richardson uh, going out for the season having to put Minshew in. The Colts are stringing together a run here somehow, and they move up to 6-5 and five with a win over the Bucks. Do you remember when the Bucks were 3-1? and Rich Farm uh, remembers. Oof. Yeah. <laughs> what, are they, what are they now? 4-7? Four 4-7, and seven. Four and seven. <laughs> yeah. It's been a rough they, stretch they for were, them. It looked like they might you know, take that division early on. I mean, it was obviously very early, but they were playing some good football and it just is not, not coming together right now. Baker has come back down to earth. He's okay. Like he's, he's not playing terrible, but he's just not doing enough on that offense to, to win. And they have weapons like he can get, you know, Evans and Godwin and all that, but it's fun to see Gardner Minshew doing well again, because he's a fun guy, (laughs) like, you know, um, to have them winning, but I, I don't really see them you know, staying in this, they can, but I, I feel like they'll probably fall out of this race for the playoffs mm-hmm. eventually. Yeah. I mean that Jonathan Taylor, he looks really good, right? They're, they're definitely mm-hmm. going to need him for that playoff push. Uh-oh. Oof. Uh-oh. Yeah. Yikes. Coming yeah. Later but, in news. <laughs> yeah. But aside from that, I mean, Colts the rest of the season, they have the Titans, 
Bengals, Steelers, Falcons, Raiders, Texans. I mean, they can get to like nine and eight or so with with uh, with the teams they have left here. I know they're going to be missing Taylor for a while, but I mean, those are all conceivably very winnable games that they have. Not count them, count them out, but a lot of those teams probably look at the Colts also as like, oh, that's not too bad of a yeah. game either. So they're they're those, you know, we'll see how they play. But losing Taylor is kind of a big uh, a big deal for at least these mm-hmm. next few weeks. It's wild how uh, how bad the Bucks are this season. Like I know that Baker's not good, but they still have like they just still had a lot of talent on defense, and uh, and they also still have Mike Evans and and Rashad White's not terrible but he's not great either and you would think they'd be more competitive but they they look rough like i don't know how you really fix that team here's the thing i don't i don't think they look that Mm -hmm. bad they're they're in a lot of these games yeah like they're they're just losing in like the the last possession or whatever like the one week against the texans that was like a heartbreaker this one week against the colts there there was at least one other where they they had the game in hand and then they lost it late yeah, I mean they're it's like their their games are coming down to like one possession. Yeah. Mm. Their biggest losses this year are to the Eagles, the Lions, and the Bills. Um and the other ones were pretty much like all one possession. Oh, and the Niners. So mm. like good teams are beating them by multiple scores. The rest of them it's they're one score games. Yeah. And um, the Bills so they would have won if the Godwin okay. had caught that Hail Mary that was right to him. Yeah. So I mean right. yeah, I mean they're in a lot of these games and honestly I Oh yes, I that think... one wasn't even that that was still one score. I, yeah, I that was a one score game. Wrong. They would have won if so, he caught that. Yeah. Which he should have. But mm-hmm. yeah, I mean it's interesting you say that, Jana, because I think I was on the record before a season like I ex- I was almost guaranteeing them to be like number one overall pick or at least a top five pick. Like I was confident they were gonna be garbage this season and they're they honestly have a higher win total right now than I thought they would have the entire season. Like, just personally, I didn't see Baker being even as good as he's been for them. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it would have been better for them if they were actually a terrible team instead of the mediocre team that they're probably going to end up being, at least record-wise. But uh, the one consistent, the one constant is that Mike Evans is going to get 1,000 yards, and he's going to do that again this year. He's going to pass the flying colors and hopefully go to a better team in the offseason. Bouncing around a little bit, we'll go to Sunday night. Here we have Ravens 20, Chargers 10 in SoFi. This one wasn't very fun. I was hoping this would be a fun game, and it kind of... Kind of, kind of stunk. Not gonna lie, there was just not much happening in most of this game. Brandon Staley, once again, a war criminal. Have this Chargers team, even though the Ravens are good, <laughs> only got ten points this entire game. Oh man, I mean, I if shouldn't he, be feeling this, this bad for the Chargers. Job. Yeah, if he like, keeps his job. Yeah, like you said, this game, it wasn't that fun of a watch. Um, like Baltimore played fine, but their offense wasn't really clicking for a lot of the game. Uh, mm-hmm. They just had a couple of, like explosive plays um it's like the that run at the end by by zay flowers to kind of open it up a bit but yeah the the chargers just for all the talent they have on both sides of the ball uh just struggle they they played well on defense this game but they have games where they give up you know 40 points so i don't really understand it and then um on offense again you should you should be doing way more their offense should be more creative and get you know playmakers the ball like with justin herbert so it's it's just not it's just not working. They have way too much talent to be. What are they? They're four and seven, right? So they have, yeah. they have way too much talent to be to be have that record. I don't. I would would not have called them having the same record as the Bucks at this point in the season. That's all I'm saying. No, <laughs> not at all. Not at all. I would have thought you know seven and four, six and five, but six and five ish is probably what I would have thought. I I think I might have yeah. had them as like a bottom like a bottom tier wild card team, but yeah, they're 
like on the outside of the playoff hunt. Like they have so many teams ahead of them. I, I think they're pretty much out of it at this point, to be honest with you. Same number of wins as the Giants. The Giants and the Bears. Oof, and the Bears. And the Bears. <laughs> oh my. Yeah, what what esteemed company to be in. Uh yeah, I mean it's ugly season I, for the Chargers. Nothing's really going right for them. Sorry, go ahead. I feel like we need to start a narrative about Justin Herbert. Is it is it time to admit that maybe he's just not that dude? I I like I don't I think, think so. I don't think so, but I think I I'm also kind of of the opinion that he's overrated and overhated at the same time. I think his detractors are too harsh on him at the, um and I think all the people who are like all, all the people championing him, I think are way 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 over overrating him. I want to see him with a different coach before I officially make that judgment on him cuz we all our thoughts on Staley are well known, but yeah, I mean, I think he's below that top tier of quarterbacks for sure. And the season's kind of proven that to me. He's not clutch. Like, he just has not shown himself to be clutch at any point. I, to me, it's like it's like when Tony Romo was at his peak. And, like, he, he was a, an elite passer. Like, he was a prolific passer. He was getting 4,000-yard seasons, like, regularly. And yet he just didn't have that, like killer instinct that most quarterbacks most elite quarterbacks should have Mm -hmm. like his teams were losing games late like and if you don't have an offensive line he can't make anything happen like he he has no concept of like throwing to an outlet receiver like maybe it is is that an issue with the offensive scheme maybe but it just seems like if there's any kind of pressure on him when it's late and the game's on the line and he needs to score it's he's he folds it he doesn't he can't get the ball to anybody it's it's like pass 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 on those four downs and all those passes go wide of the mark. Yeah, I'm I'm not as harsh on him as as you or maybe even Nick. Um, I, I think he's really good and really talented, and he does need more of a different type of scheme. I I it, some of it is on him. Like he has to learn how to finish games and get those drives. Like, but he's still young. He reminds me of Stafford early years a bit. He's got the he's got a gun for an arm. He's a bit, you know, he stands in the pocket, makes, and he can make some incredible throws and just, you know, I mean, the Lions did not have as much talent as the Chargers had. So that's, that was kind of the main difference, but Stafford learned how to get that killer instinct um, and had a lot of comeback wins and stuff later on, even when we didn't have the talent. And then once we did at least got to the playoffs and that. So like, I think, I think he's really good. If if they get a new coach and it still looks like this, especially if they get an offensive guy and like the scheme looks at least better and he is still like this, then I am ready to like definitely say that. But with Staley, the defensive guy that as the head coach is just not working. Their scheme they don't scheme anyone open. They just have Herbert try to throw darts and that's like their entire offense and then give it to Eckler. I think he's good. I think the team is broken. Yeah, I mean, after the last game, the Herbert has no help narratives were going crazy because of the drop passes by his receivers. Like talent wise, I don't know if he's he's like not there. I think he he has the talent to be there. But I would almost agree with the assessment that he's just like not that dude. Like he does not give Herbert the ball in his hands towards the end of a game. And I know it's, you know, partially the Chargers and, and the way the Chargers have been for as long as basically I've been watching football, but you don't feel like Herbert's going to go out there and make game-winning plays. I'm not nervous. Um, if he gets the ball the... against the Chiefs, I'm not nervous. Like, if he gets that two-minute drive against the Chiefs and the Chiefs have the lead, I'm not going to be nervous at all. Yeah. 
Exactly. It's like they just they just don't have he doesn't have that instinct or that mentality, um, at least in the games that he's played uh, under Staley that show that. And and maybe a coaching change shows a different side of him. But I feel like he isn't that guy. And I also feel like he there are not like. Like I'm not saying that he isn't one of 32 starting quarterbacks. Like I would, I would still see teams starting him, but I, I just don't know how he goes out there and competes in a division with Mahomes, and also, or even competes in the AFC, uh, in terms of playing in in championship games and or or playoff games or making playoff runs. Like, I, I just don't see it. Um, he doesn't have that instinct. Uh, it feels like, or at least he hasn't shown it. Uh, and the Chargers haven't really won games that way, uh, especially late. So, yeah, I, I would I would agree with your assessment, Arcadio. At least at this point, without with the coaching staff and the people around him. Yeah, this team is is done what it's going to do. I think, like like Bobby said at the start here, how Staley has kept his job this long is beyond me. Should have at the very least lost it after last season, if not the season before, with the way both those seasons ended for the Chargers and. This season is just showing that he really should not have had this job uh, this season, and they're paying the price for it. We'll see what they can do, but yeah, uh, you said they're a broken team, and that's pretty much the only thing I can say about them. All right, moving on from that to a much better game, of course, Monday Night Football. Jan, oh, remember God. like remember 10 minutes ago when you said um, if, if the opponent puts up 13, you're going to win? Uh, the opponent of the Vikings put up 12, and the Vikings lost this game. The Bears win 12 to 10. They don't score a single touchdown. It's all field goals. One touchdown scored in this game at all, and it's Hawkinson late in the fourth quarter. Oh, my God, this game. I'm glad that I was yeah. half focusing on this and watching something else uh, on the big TV at, at the same time because I don't know if I could have made it through this bad boy. Um, this this one was mostly interesting for fantasy reasons for uh, at, least a, at least three of us, I think, in this chat in terms of different people who are on the field. Uh, Justin Fields and, and Alexander Madison was the battle for me, and I barely won out by by one point. Fields tried his damnedest to screw that up for me because he had multiple turnovers, but uh, he was not the quarterback with the most turnovers in this game because the big story was Josh Dobbs with four, uh, four turnovers in this game. And it's to the point where Kevin O'Connell's openly talking about probably benching him when they get off their bye week. So that's how bad this game went for the Vikings, folks. I actually thought for, for a 12-10 game, this was pretty entertaining for just whatever reason. Like it, there was a lot of just things happening. It wasn't just a bunch of three and outs and punts. Um, there were turnovers and and, you know, it was a funny 12 game. It was, it was a weird, it was, yeah, like, like <laughs> I was not, this was not, uh, like last year with like Denver with some of those primetime games and stuff. Yeah. Like it was, you know, it was a low scoring game and obviously Chicago won without scoring a touchdown, which is the first time this happened this year, but like they were moving the ball and the Vikings were getting incredibly outplayed in the first half. And I thought with, I thought the bears were doing what they did against the lions where they play it in like outplay a team for the entire, entire first half and then lose. But they like, had a good drive on the first drive and then missed a field goal. And then they had a long drive again and then kicked a field goal. Like the, you know, they just couldn't, they, and they just couldn't do anything. Um, they intercepted Dobbs and then they punted and then whatever, but they like three, three at half and it was, and Minnesota got like no yards and did not have the ball at all. Like they, I forget what the time of possession was, but the bears had it for pretty much the entire first half and it was three, three. <laughs> um, so the what time a, like possession a weird game. split. Sorry, the time possession split only ended up being 36 to 24 by the end of it. Yeah, by the end, because Minnesota had some drives in that second half and actually started moving the ball a bit mm-hmm. more and got that touchdown hack. Um, but it, a, a lot of it, Dobbs turned the ball over. 
Um, he was not pastronaut in this game. No. Um, He's fallen back to earth, and it's um, <laughs> not great. It's it's quite sad, actually. I mean, look, you don't bounce around the league and, and go to a bunch of different teams and don't really get a starting job and then start starting every week and expect to be a winning team. Like, I, I think, like, that making that jump is just not something that happens um that often uh and um he he's very slippery and he tries as we talked about earlier he tries to make a lot of plays with his legs and you know tries to throw the ball to playmakers but he one the vikings are down a huge playmaker and it and it shifts their whole you know string of playmakers uh and two like he he just doesn't have the the arm talent to do that um and yeah. He has a lot of other skills and he's definitely very smart, but um, it was funny on Twitter. People were saying like the more he's gotten to know his receivers, the worse he's become. And it's, uh, it's like the, the more complicated every the spot offense, that he's right. in. Yeah. It's like the more complicated the offense gets and the more people get tape on him and the more people are able to game plan for him, the, the worse and worse it is. And that's true. I think of a lot of quarterbacks where, NFL teams are really good at preparing and uh, when they prepare well, like it's, it's hard to beat them unless you have the talent to overcome what they throw at you. And, and he doesn't have it in his arm and he's not elusiveness cannot win you games, at least not in that way. It wasn't quite Colts Broncos from last year. Cause there, it wasn't at least like punt, 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 punt every drive. Like yeah. the defenses were making plays, like balls were going off receivers hands and defenders were catching it. So like it, there was a lot of turnovers, which kind of made it kind of like fun, even though it was like in a bad way. Mm-hmm. But um, to put things in perspective, I believe the whole game, both teams only completed four passes beyond the line of scrimmage. Yeah. Oh my god! There's a. Did you see the pat? <laughs> the pass chart for for Justin Fields was yeah. like, it was all to the outside. Um, they're all behind. And they're the all line behind of and just in front. Yeah. Of it. So many screens. So many jokes about the screen passes yeah. that everyone's making. Yeah, Dobbs completed 22 uh, passes for 185 yards. So, like, that's nothing through the air. And Fields completed 27 for 217. And a lot of that came on the big play in the uh, in the last drive um, to get them into the field into field goal range. Like, that was the, that was the longest pass by far um, for this game. I didn't catch as much of it as uh, I wanted to, uh, but or maybe I didn't want to. But you didn't want to uh, seeing only screen passes and like more passes behind the line of scrimmage than in front of it is some pretty abysmal football. And it's not even like it was a run game that was working. It was literally wide receiver screens that, I mean, didn't they throw a wide receiver screen on a fourth down play? Did that happen in this game? Oh yeah. Yeah. What, what is going on? Like I feels can't be this bad. And also it's not like he doesn't have receivers to throw to like it, it, I mean, he's got more receiving talent than the Panthers offense. Like, come on, we can do something here. Everybody has more receiving talent than the Panthers offense, to be fair. What I I found weird is just like, it wasn't like Fields was scrambling and then had to dump it down on every play. Like some of that did happen, but this was the game plan for whatever reason. Like they just, every play they called was a wide receiver screen, pretty much. Like it was bizarre. Um I don't really get it. I don't know if that's something I saw in the Vikings. It's like, oh, well, we can't stop their defensive line, so we just have to get the ball out quick or whatever. But like, you have Justin Fields, at least try some more running or or something, or you know, RPOs do do something a little bit more creative. 
Mm-hmm. Well, if if it is something they saw against the Dolphin or no, not the Dolphin, the Vikings, then I feel like that's an indictment on the coaching staff because yeah. you didn't even score a touchdown when you were doing that. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I mean, the big story to me, aside from the interceptions themselves, is that the Bears, off of those four picks, got three points total. Like, they didn't score a single touchdown, as you mentioned, but they only got one field goal off of all those turnovers that the Vikings gave them. So, yeah, the Bears are still a bad team. Uh, They have more wins than they had last year, so props to them, I guess, for that. But they're still a bad team, and the Vikings are cooling cooling off at the worst time right now. And we'll see, because they have a bye now, and uh, Kevin O'Connell kind of made comments that he's going to be looking at the quarterback position. So mm-hmm. um, it could be uh, the rookie uh, that got hurt that first game. I forget his name. The, the reason Hall. that Dobbs came in. Yeah. And then, uh, or it could be uh, uh, Nick Mullins. So Nick Mullins. Yeah, Mullins. No, you almost said it. Nick Mullins. Nick Mullins. Nick Mullins, not very good. I can no. tell you from him starting my football games or the 49ers football games. Not, not great. Can we move on to a better game? Yes, as Arcadio requested, let's move on to a better game. Last game we will discuss. Eels hosting the Buffaloes. Finally, some good fucking football. Oh, what a game. What a game. Jalen Hurts, five total touchdowns on my fantasy team. Lovely, lovely, lovely stuff. But yeah, the game itself, just a barn burner. I don't don't even know where to begin with this one. It's slow. It didn't start fast. It started pretty slow. And then... It did. And then Hurts and the offense kicked into gear, and then... Josh Allen made Josh Allen plays, and it was it was a crazy game. Mm-hmm. What a what a game! What a time! Yeah, Josh Allen played incredibly in this game. He had the one turnover. He's got to have his one, but it like <laughs> he he played really really well and just didn't again. It didn't come up at the end and it went overtime. But yeah, because Hertz didn't really do a lot in the first half. Uh, I, he was through for like under hundred yards. Um, and then he turned it on and made just critical plays when they needed it. And obviously, you know, the rushing, um, including the, the big rushing touchdown to win it. Um, and then the tush push <laughs> for the other, I think one or whatever, but yep. yeah. Yeah. Josh Allen was Josh Allen and the Eagles still somehow pulled out a win. And I think they, they like secured that one seed at this point. It's not secured obviously like, but yeah, I mean, it's I think this was one of those games much. that people looked at. That's like, this could be a loss and they, they pulled it out. They have a three game stretch where it's the chiefs, the bills and the, the 49ers. Um, sorry, the, the Cowboys aren't real opponents for the Eagles. Um, the chiefs, the bills and the 49ers in a three game stretch. And uh, people were expecting those games to be the tough ones for them. And they have, had two really impressive victories uh in the chiefs and the bills mm-hmm. games um and this game in particular i mean hurts makes game winning plays like that is that's like the long and short of their season i think it's it's one of these things where twitter wants to tell you that the eagles aren't as good as their record says they are but i think the record says how good you are and if you only have one loss in the season and you have played like two of the premier teams and you also beat the Dolphins, like, you know, at that, which at that point in the season, they're also on the upswing. Like, Jalen Hurts has gone out there and made game winning plays. And uh, I mentioned it kind of at the beginning of the show during the intros, but they play the 49ers next week. And, and watching this game is one of those things that kind of terrifies me in terms of as the season has gone on, Hurts has just gotten better. And that receiving room is pretty incredible. That running game because of the, the threat of Hertz's rushing ability uh, has a lot in it. Uh, and there's a lot of talent there too. So um, 
the only thing that might slow them down is injuries. Uh, mm-hmm. But even in this game, they were without Lane Johnson and the offensive line still made hay. And it's going to be a crazy game next week. And I think also like this game was wild in terms of how back and forth it went and how they came from behind, I think twice in the, in this game, um, they were down 24, 21. Then they scored a touchdown to make it 28, 24. Bills got up to 31. Then the Eagles got a field goal before the half ended. So yeah, I mean, they came down from, uh, from being down. They came back from being down twice in the fourth quarter to take the lead and tie the game. So yeah, I mean that's that's clutch for you. And the play I want to mention, play of the game to me was the the play Hurts kept alive, and then the touchdown he slung to Alameda Zacchaeus in the end zone. That's one of the damnedest plays I've seen all year. Mm-hmm. And like like Jan was talking about Twitter, you know, people want to tell you that the Eagles aren't as good as they are, that Hurts isn't a deserving MVP candidate. But I mean, yeah, his his stats are inflated because of the the tush push touchdowns and everything like that. But he's making plays in situations like that, that I don't see that many quarterbacks even capable of making. And I know he has a great team and a great coaching staff around him, which obviously helps, but he's making the plays he needs to make uh, in those clutch moments, including the rushing touchdown overtime after that as well. So, I mean, this was, I want to say coming out party for him, obviously, but this is to me, one of the highlights of his Mm -hmm. career was the, what he did in the fourth quarter in the overtime of this game. Um, The Eagles coaches afterwards said they could not believe that the bills gave them that look on defense on that play because hmm, um, they 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 went all out blitz on there and like you can't do that against a quarterback uh, a quarterback draw and that that run they they did is a, just a base play in their offense that the Bills would have been game planning for to be like okay we can't give them this play mm-hmm. um, and they said as soon as they saw the movement just as the ball snapped then the coaches knew that that he was going to score because he just needed to get past the line of scrimmage and he was in. Yep. And it was like, yeah, that that's it's unbelievable. I think that's a Sean McDermott like panic mode. Like we need to make a big play, just all mm-hmm. blitz go, you know. And that's that's on the coaches. Yeah, that's a that's a play you run against like a first or second year rookie quarterback that doesn't have elite mobility. You don't run that against against Jalen Hurts. Yeah, that's that is just a very flawed coaching decision. Mm-hmm. Um, I was gonna say the whole criticism about. Oh, his numbers are inflated by the tush push. Well, like he he, he can do it and nobody else can. Yeah. <laughs> that's the thing. That that's why that's why he's a MVP he's the MVP front runner. Because he's not only an elite quarterback, he can pass the ball with almost elite arm talent. He has elite mobility. He's also a goal line running back, an elite goal line running back he, that you cannot stop. He can squat six hundred pounds. Like he's Did you guys know he's this? Ridiculous. You know he squats six hundred? Did you know this? No one's ever said yeah, this. Know, and he's, right? all, yeah, no one... and he's also one of the most handsome human beings on the planet. That's, that's besides God, the he's point. sexy as hell, yeah. isn't he? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> but, anyway. Oh, anyway. Oh, just again. Uh, so Jaina brought up people on Twitter um, talking about, oh, the, the they're not as good as the record shows. They are. This is not the 2020 Steelers. They that went 11 and 0 and then. Oh my were God, that Steelers terrible. team. Yeah. Like, <laughs> good Lord. This is not that team. This is a legitimate 10 and 1 football team. When the Eagles lose to Baker Mayfield in the playoffs, though, that's that, that's going to be special. <laughs> I just always remember that's how that that fucking Steelers season ended after they started eleven and zero. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, what a game that was. We saved that for last because that was pretty much the highlight game of the week, the best game of the week. Uh, yeah. All in all, that was week twelve. I think a, a fun week of action. The Thanksgiving games uh, they weren't too fun. Didn't mention the Black Friday game, Dolphins versus Jets, because the game itself was nothing special. But yeah. Yeah. Fun week overall, but I think that will do it for the game recaps. Uh, moving on to the pick and recap. Not, not great, Bob. 
Yeah, not great. We all uh, took all the same picks together, which means we lost on the Lions and we lost on the Vikings. I think we got the rest of them correct, I believe. Yeah, it was fine. Yep. But like, yeah, yeah we, we bookended our, our week with losses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Arcadio still ahead of us. Uh, he's missed 16 picks. The rest of us have missed 18, I believe. Jane, it was over one of our names. But yeah, I think it's a three-way tie for a second. And then Arcadio has a couple games up on us as of right now. So nothing was changed in terms of the primetime pickums. But uh, yeah, we did we did lose a couple this week, unfortunately. Moving on to fantasy, uh, I guess I'll start. I'm still technically in it, folks. I'm not totally out of it yet. I mentioned the the Justin Fields-Alexander-Madison matchup being what was going to be the, the make or break for me. I um, We were pretty much tied, or I was down by a point, I think, going into Monday Night Football against JB was my opponent. And Fields just barely, barely, barely did enough. I won by a little over a point. Uh, it was scary. If the Bears had gotten a touchdown at any point on any of those drives that they got gifted by the Vikings, then I would would have had things well in hand. But yeah, the game just went the way it did. Uh, Pacheco had his best game of the year for me with two touchdowns. Josh Jacobs had the big touchdown and a big game overall. Uh, Calvin Ridley had another good game. So some of my guys performed. Uh, there was also DK Metcalf and Justin Fields and AJ Brown just had a decent game by his own standards or an okay game. But I pulled out the win just barely. So I'm up to five and seven. I'm staying alive. I need a few people above me to lose out, essentially, to get to seven and seven, and then I have to beat them on points. So I need things to go very much my way the next couple weeks, which I don't expect, but I'm still alive. I'm not out of it yet, so I guess I'll take that with me this week. Yeah, uh, it didn't go as well for me uh, this week. Um, I lost to Carlos uh, 136 to 126, basically, with decimals, but I looked good for a while. Like I, th- I thought I was in pretty decent shape. And then Josh Allen just absolutely went off and got 40 points. Um, and he, you know, he's someone that obviously has the potential to do that, but you don't expect 40. Um, and if he has one of his normal 20-ish points game point games, then I win. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, it is what it is. He went off. Uh, I needed a low, you know, performance by DJ Moore going into Monday night, and, and he was really the only big fantasy performer. Uh, he had 22 um, as far as my team goes, uh, Waddle had a pretty good game. He had close to 20. Uh, Stevenson had 21. McBride, who I've been using as a flex, uh, so my, I have my two tight end lineup going, had 13. So, like, okay. Um, I, I put up decent points, but uh, I need um, to just keep winning and, and some teams ahead of me to lose because right now I'm I'm in the, the seven spot just outside the playoffs um, at 7-5 uh, tied up with four different people. So as long as, you know, I can pull out a couple wins here. I, I think I sneak in, but uh, the point totals uh, being what they are, I need some some tiebreakers to mm-hmm. be out of the picture for me, you know, to yeah. be able to make it. Went well. <laughs> uh, put up another monster week. Uh, I think we're on a bit of a run here where uh, my team is starting to perform really well and, and perform above expectations. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, I have Tank Dell. also have Christian McCaffrey, so those two guys play pretty well. Uh, also have Chris Olave, who we'll get to in a little bit. Uh, Chris Olave had a good game. He put up 18 points. No touchdowns, though. And then something happened, uh, and we'll get to it. But, uh, yeah, the team performed well, got a solid win, uh, and hoping to sneak my way up the ladder. Uh, as Bobby mentioned, there's a bunch of teams at 7-5. and five. I am one of those teams. I am currently ranked, I think, fourth uh, in the league. Yep. Uh, and so also kind of hoping to win and have some more seven and five teams lose. And I think also the team that is above all the seven and five teams is only eight and four. So, Mm -hmm. uh, we'll hope that that team also tricks off a loss so I can 
sneak towards the top because my team is starting to put up a lot of points. So that works well uh, in terms of the tiebreakers. Yeah. So if you've been following this podcast, um, you know, I've had a tale of two seasons. I've uh, I started the year six and oh, I was looking like a easy front runner to breeze into the uh, a bye week in the playoffs. Um, lost five in a row after that was not a, not a very fun uh, forty days and forty nights in the desert of L. <laughs> so this week I was I was really hurting for a win because I think starting the week I was outside of the playoffs and um, I it, it took probably the the most high scoring matchup of the week. Um, ended up being 154 to 152. I was dead in the water, um, going into the last two minutes of the Sunday night football game. Um, the Ravens against the Chargers. I, I was only up by four points and my opponent, Kevin had TJ Hawkinson left in the following game for the following night. And so he just would have needed like two more catches and that would have been it. And then with the lowest of lows followed by the highest of highs, the roller coaster that is fantasy football, I I say to myself when the Ravens have the ball and it's a third and three, I'm like, you know, the the best case scenario for me here is if somehow they go to Zay Flowers for the kill shot and that lets Justin Herbert pass the ball a little more, maybe to Keenan Allen. And wouldn't you know it, they go to an end around to Zay <laughs> Flowers on third and three and bless Zay Flowers' heart, does not go down in bounds, which would have been the correct play, the smart play. <laughs> Instead, goes into the end zone and nets me a whole 10 points almost on that one play. And then Justin Herbert immediately throws a 21-yard strike to Keenan Allen to the sideline. And all of a sudden, I'm up 18 points going into Monday Night Football. And I just need to play defense, quote-unquote. And then... um in a reversal from from Sunday Night Football, I was coasting through the entire game. Uh, I think Hawk was held without a catch in the first half. Um, he started getting going in, in the third quarter. They started passing the ball a little more. And then the final drive, they pass. They they deliver a big strike to him on one play. And then he gets the 17-yard touchdown right after that. And I'm only up two points at that point. And there's plenty of time left in the game, so my my heart just sank into my chest. But uh, luckily, the the way the game played out, they they were not able to get another successful pass off to Hawkinson. So I just barely survived, barely escaped. Finally got back into the win column, and uh, by apocalypse for a lot of teams this week. But feeling pretty good about my chances. I play Cody this week and. He's by far the worst in our league, the worst team in our league. Sorry, Cody. Um, yeah, man, I really need you to lose this one. I really, really, really needed that L from you here if I wanted to get sneak into the playoffs. This one kind of hurt me. At the, uh, I didn't realize it at the time, but I, I, I'm glad as your friend that your skid ended here. And that was, like I mentioned earlier, the fantasy implications of of last night's game were kind of the highlight to me because at least the, the three of us all had, uh, all, all had some uh, skin in the game on that one, so... Although I do want to say, as far as your team goes, Dijon Robinson, look at him. Yeah. 27 yeah. points. How about that? How about that? See, see what happens when you use him? You see what happens? Yeah. Maybe <laughs> maybe Arthur's had his come to Jesus moment. I doubt it, but you, you, know, you never know. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I am skeptical we'll, we'll of that, that one, bud. Yeah. He's, he's drawing Desmond Ritter out there. I don't know about all that, Chief. <laughs> yeah. Uh, looking ahead to this guy. Hey, coming... He won the game. 
they did win the game. For, for, I forgot they did. For like, I was one hundred percent sure they lost yeah, the game like, wait, they mentally lost this whole time. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, no, no. Not only did they win the game, they are currently leading the division. Place. You are yeah. five and six. They're gonna host the Cowboys leaders. as of as of right now. Jesus Christ! I, this is the to talk about the Falcons for a split second. Oh no! Their remaining schedule at Jets versus Buccaneers at Panthers versus Colts at Bears at Saints. Eww. You know. When they only win two of those games, I'm going to laugh so hard. Yeah, that's very possible. <laughs> it they could lose all of you those. You would games. think that if you're going to play the Jets, Panthers, and Bears, at least you win those three, right? You like it is very possible that they could go six and zero, zero and six, or three and three in this next remaining six mm-hmm. games. Um, None of those would surprise and, me. Nope. And they'll go like two, and they'll go like two and four, and uh, Kyle Pitts won the season with like the 35th ranked tight end or something nonsensical with Johnny Smith ahead of him. Mm-hmm. I did see the stat that said the um, the Falcons have a top five fantasy tight end room uh, combined between Pitts and Johnny Smith. Apparently. <laughs> oh, no. I think I wow. shared that. Uh, yeah, it's like Vikings number one because they have Hawk, Chiefs number two because they have Kelsey, and then the rest of them are like sort of like combined, and then the Falcons snuck in at number five. So, yeah, Arthur Smith's uh, system is clearly working. Um, clearly. Clearly. I was gonna say, yeah, when you like hand the ball off to Johnny Smith at the goal line, um, I think you're <laughs> gonna get some some strange tight end points. Yeah, um, yeah. So as for this week in fantasy, I play friend of the show Elena. We are tied in record. They are two points above me in total scoring right now. So need a W here to keep climbing up if I want any hope of having a chance. Um, they have a couple people on by, including Saquon. Uh, they got to find someone to replace Saquon. I w- I regret saying this. I guess I could have hoped they didn't look at their lineup between now and Sunday. Um, I might have chipped them off just now. But anyway, um, Elena, set your lineup so I can beat you fair and square. Um, yeah, so they're they're hurt a little bit by the bye weeks. Uh, they had Dobbs as their starter. They have put Baker in for for Dobbs for this week, uh, who is on bye and you know maybe lost his job again. Uh, projected to win this one right now, but they do have to make a couple adjustments. And uh, my lineup is also affected by the buys. I have to put Sam Howell back in. I have no Josh Jacobs. I have no Jacoby Myers. So uh, also no Dalton Kincaid. I guess I got to find another tight end, even though uh, tight end waiver wire is the most disgusting place to ever look in fantasy. I hate it so much. It's so gross. <laughs> uh, but I'll figure it out for this it's, week. It's so gross. Arcadio tried to trade for one after the trade deadline. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mixed up the trade deadline between my two leagues, but. Chiggy Okonkwo is uh, on the on the waiver wire, I believe. You're helping make my point. I think I think this is the best game of the season he just had, and it was eight and a half points. I got JB, um, and he's got some buys to deal with. I'm, I'm I uh, am not too bad as far as buys go this week, um, but he, let's see, I, I looked at it earlier. So he has uh, Devontae Adams on buy, uh, Alexander Madison on buy. Um, and on his bench, he has uh, Shakir on by for Buffalo. So he's got to got to replace his flex. He's got to replace um, uh, a wide receiver. Um, and then right now, he still has Jordan Love as his quarterback, um, who is not protected to get many points against Kansas City, but we will see. Uh, but as far as I go, I, my team is actually pretty much fully intact. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just debating whether to start... Um, Goff or Trevor Lawrence because Goff has not played as well lately and Trevor has been doing the best he's he's done all season of course after I bench him yeah um, but I have Gus Edwards on by but I was able to put in now the starting running back for the Indianapolis Colts uh, Zach Moss so oh yeah um, that's not a bad replacement yeah you should win this week which is the last thing I need so of course that's how it's gonna go 
you'll you never know. We'll see. I know. <laughs> uh, Arcadia mentioned he was playing Cody. Jana, looks like you're playing second place in the league, Ramon, this week. Yeah, this is my chance to uh, strike revenge on that eight and four team I was mentioning earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ramon has had a quite the interesting fantasy season. Uh, he made he's made some rookie errors, but on the other hand, he's second in the league. So. Um, I think in the game that he hadn't made the rookie error, it would have been close, mm-hmm. um, at least. Or maybe it would Wait, I think that's the one Bobby won where it wouldn't have been close. But, uh, yeah, it's um, it's going to be interesting. His team has overperformed, and I'm currently projected to win by, like, seven or eight points. But projections kind of mean nothing at this point in the season. And yeah. Sometimes the offenses click, and sometimes they don't. Mm-hmm. All right, so that's how this week is looking for us. We're all still alive in the playoff hunt, and it's going to be a fun last two weeks before we get to the postseason in our league. Uh, So that's it for fantasy. Uh, We do have a a bullet point here, a little discussion point. Dak MVP candidate question mark. I saw some some tweets about this earlier today. He's first in a lot of statistical categories this season. He's been top three fantasy quarterback each of the last, like, four or five weeks, I Mm -hmm. want to say. Yeah. He's he's been tearing it up. He's been carving it up like 400 yards passing like easily. Mike McCarthy calling the plays, I guess. Yeah, I mean, the excuse people will give is that he's been playing mostly bad teams in that stretch. I think he still had a good yeah. game against the Eagles. That helps you, and having the defense, the good defense on the other side of the ball also helps you to a degree. But, yeah, I mean, he's just having a really, really good season, especially after last year he led the league in picks despite missing, like, six games. I mean, it's a good turnaround year for him, uh, and props to him, and, I mean, yeah, if the, if the Cowboys end up being really good at the end of the season, which it looks like they will be, uh, I don't see any reason why he can't be in that conversation, especially with how wide open it still is. Yeah, the only downside is that he plays somewhat stiffer defenses moving forward. Yeah, We'll see how the Seahawks, if the Seahawks defense decides to show up, but they can be competitive. Uh, but then it's the Eagles, Bills, Dolphins, who are playing well now that Jalen Ramsey's back, Lions, We'll see how the Lions defense is doing at that point. And then ends the season on the commanders. So uh, there's four, four, you know, four and a half solid defenses there out of six remaining games. So maybe I feel like Jalen Hurts has a better chance of continuing his production yeah. than, than uh, uh, Dak does. Okay, moving on to second down. Finally, news recap. We have a couple firings to talk about here. Big one, Panthers fired their head coach, Frank Reich, after their bad 1-10 start. Also extended to a couple other coaches on the staff. Uh, Josh McCown, the QB coach, and Deuce Daly, the running back coach, also got let go. Chris Tabor, the special special teams coach, is the interim head coach for the rest of the season. I mean, I figured it was probably done after the end of the season. I didn't necessarily expect them to fire Reich midseason. Uh, this just felt like it was never going to work out, especially after all the rumblings we heard about him not wanting Bryce Young uh, to, to start with. It just seemed like a bad just seemed like a bad fit for Bryce Young. You know, I don't know how bad it can feel for uh, for a guy who, you know, was so highly touted and everybody wanted him and they trade up a lot to get him. Like, um, I don't know how bad it can feel for him, but I do feel for him to a degree with how this season's gone because uh, he hasn't played great. But I really don't think that's entirely his fault. And I don't think Frank Reich was really helping him in any way. So. Uh, it sucks that he's going to have to go through kind of what Baker went through his first couple of years with probably a lot of coach turnover, but this might be good for him, at least in the short term. Yeah. Tepper, um, the owner, uh, kind of reaffirmed, like he, he said the, they initially had a trade to go up to number two. Um, and then that trade kind of, it, 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 they bears had two, right. So they backed out of it. Um, so I think, uh, Reich 
wanted Stroud and thought they were that he was going to get him there. And then when they when they went back up to number one, he still wanted Stroud and Tepper mm-hmm. just said no. Um, so, yeah, that I think that strained the relationship from the beginning. Uh, and obviously it hasn't worked. Um, I still think this unless it was that dysfunctional between, you know, because of that decision, I still don't think they probably should have fired him midseason during the first yeah. season with a rookie quarterback. Yeah. But, uh, you know, that's just me. Second second season in a row, they fired a coach mid year uh, mm-hmm. after Matt Rule. So uh, we'll see who they can get to take that job. Uh, there's been a lot of talk about it. I follow a Panthers fan uh, online, and he was basically saying like, you know, it doesn't really matter. The roster construction is kind of so terrible. Like they didn't hit on their wide receiving draft pick in uh, Jonathan Mingo. Their their running back room is kind of a mess. Their defense is uh, also quite a mess. Um, and then De- Tepper is just too involved as an owner. And I think that uh, Tepper is too harmful for his own good. Like he's there to, he's going to commit too many mistakes and you hire football people to make football decisions. If you were a football person, you would have come up through the football ranks and not just made a ton of money and then owned the team and then decided that you can optimize this better than the football people can it's football isn't an exact science but there is a lot that goes into it and i feel tepper just meddles too much in the organization to make it work um at least at this point and so we'll see who comes in as a head coach i'm sure a head coaching opportunity is something people want um especially because they get paid quite well uh regardless of whether or not they complete their contract so uh, we'll see how that goes. I, I'm not, it's unfortunate, but I, I feel like it's kind of how that goes. If your owner's going to be meddling like that, I don't really have any sympathy for owners. Yeah. yeah. There was, there was talk that they were, um, in the last hiring cycle, they were interested in Ben Johnson from the lions. And so they're, the, yeah, he's maybe from the, there. they try to go in that direction again. And like you say, he's from there. Um, I mean, I hope not because I kind of want, that's my front runner for the Raiders, but <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, I to me the the whole narrative with like I, I feel like one of the the two narratives is oh, is correct about whether like one person wanted Bryce Young, one person wanted C.J. Stroud, and they kind of had like a falling out when things didn't go as planned. I'm just curious to know which one actually wanted Stroud and which one actually wanted Young because I feel like it could go either way. Yeah, and I just posted a, a random tweet that I don't know how true the sources are, but just I think just this narrative is going around that just says, Tepper's a notoriously interfering owner down to the play calling. He once handed the OC a piece of paper with a play on it midweek and said he's seen Cleveland run that play, and he wanted them to run it on Sunday, just a random play. So, like, <laughs> the owner usually should not be, you know, uh, making play calling suggestions uh, to, the, to the offensive coordinator. I don't, don't think that's usually how that works. Yeah, it's a mess in Carolina. I I do like keeping track of which of our predictions, you know, preseason or whatever, age well and age poorly. My dark horse Frank Wright coach of the year prediction. Not doing great, folks. Not doing great. Yeah, moving on from that, uh, other big story that we have, uh, another firing the commanders, fire the defense coordinator, Jack Del Rio. The the bullet point after that just says, bye, bitch. I wonder who placed that one. Uh, yeah, uh, not sad to see him go. We, we kind of figured the commanders were going to clean house with the coaching staff uh, anyway in the offseason, and Del Rio didn't make it there. 
It was 20 to 10 at the end of the third quarter in the Cowboys Commanders game, and the game ended 45 to 10. I think that's pretty much the last draw. I know one of those was a pick six from Jerron Bland, who set the record for most pick six in the season. But yeah, it was an ugly, ugly game for the Commanders uh, on this past Thursday, which seemed like it was the last draw for them. Uh, Jack Del Rio, not a good person. Not nasty, a good nasty coach. person. Just, uh, we, we just, just shouldn't be in the league you know mm-hmm. uh but alas uh he was with the commanders and now he's not anymore because he's also bad at football he'll he'll find a media job on uh one of those networks yeah, yeah. i've wasted enough energy on him let's move on all right moving on uh third down injury roundup a couple injuries to mention here dorian thompson robinson uh, exited the game against the broncos late with a head injury joe flacco time question mark i can't believe he's still in the league I know he only aired the league I mean, a year before Stafford did, but, yeah. but like he seems so much older than Stafford does to me. I think part of it's because he hasn't been a consistent fixture on a team in at least three years now. Um, it just it's just wild to me. Uh, it's it's pretty brutal because the Browns are also winning still. So. Yeah, like they're in playoff position if the season <laughs> ended today, and they have several weeks to screw that up. Which without any competency of the quarterback position, is very likely that they do screw it up, even with how good their defense is. I think of the two between P.J. Walker and Joe Flacco, I think Joe Flacco is more likely to play Trent Dilfer 2000 football. And that's what the Browns kind of need. I guess. Yeah, which is, I I guess, ironic. Um, But yeah, uh, that's, uh, I don't know, their their quarterback situation, I don't know if I've seen it for a team that's competing for a division like this in a while, where it's just, like, it's a complete disaster. (laughs) Bringing a guy off the street that's been a backup the past few years, you know, mm-hmm. is, is not usually a good thing for your team. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's an ugly situation there, but I mean, like you sort of alluded to their quarterback situation has been terrible all year. Uh, their intended starter has been hurt most of the year and he's been shitty when he hasn't been hurt. So, I mean, they haven't really had a good answer at the quarterback position and they were still playing as well as they have. Like they could have been the one seed in the AFC at the end of Sunday if the chips fell a certain way. So I mean, it's a credit to them that they've gotten this far this season, but yeah, down the stretch, I don't have a good answer for them. Okay, moving on from that, we mentioned uh, earlier Jonathan Taylor uh, is hurt again. He has thumb injury that he's getting surgery for, and he'll be out two to three weeks, according to Jim Ursay. So uh, a couple important games down the stretch that he's going to be missing for the Colts. We'll see if Zach Moss can make up for that production uh, after the good start to the year that he had. But yeah, I mean, down the stretch, you want your best player on the field, and they're going to be missing Taylor. So that's going to hurt him for a couple weeks. Moving on from that, another one we alluded to earlier, Chris Olave exited early uh, exited early in the Falcons game this Sunday with concussion after uh, a, uh, a Peyton Manning to Austin Collie type hospital ball that Derek Carr threw up there. Oh. Um, yeah, and he, yeah. like, Olave was over 100 yards already in that game in the second quarter, I believe. Like, he was yeah, having a man, monster, was monster on, game. He was on for one, man. Yeah, he was... Seven for 114, I think. God damn. Yeah, and, yeah, I mean, it sucks. Like, you don't want to see a, go, don't see a guy go down with concussion ever, obviously, but when he was having that good a game, it, I mean, it really stinks to see him go out that way. Um, yeah, he's in the protocol yeah, preventable right Preventable concussion. Yeah, very preventable concussion. Derek Carr is in a goofball. Uh, yeah, also on their on the same receiving staff, Rashid Shahid, uh, is status is up in the air for this week's game against the Lions. So, Oh, and Michael Thomas is uh, yeah. on IR. And Michael Thomas so. is on IR. So, so um, top three receivers. Yeah. yeah, top three receivers are out. Uh, get ready for some... Uh, I want to see Alvin Kamara's Taysom Hill season. Taysom Hill season. I want to see. I want to see Kamara's mm-hmm. PPR stat line after this game. It, it'll probably be Kamara. Yeah, Kamara will probably catch like fifteen balls. Mm-hmm. He probably will. 
for 28 yards. PPR, baby. Speaking of Cleveland, uh, as we mentioned a minute ago, Murray Cooper uh, hurt his ribs in the late game against the Broncos. X-rays came back negative, so um, I don't know if he's going to play this Sunday either way, but it uh, looks like it's not going to be too long-term for an injury for him. Uh, if they if they want to do anything on, on offense down the stretch, they definitely need him. So, uh, And he's also on my other fantasy team, the one that I'm doing actually really well in, so hopefully he doesn't miss any time. Also on the Browns, Miles Garrett uh, avoids a major injury to his shoulder, and he's day-to-day right now. I assume he'll tough through it and not miss any time, but it's probably going to bother him the rest of the year, sort of like the Max Crosby yeah. one. Uh, not the same injury that they have, but going to be nagging the rest of the season. All right, so that's it for injuries. Moving on to fourth down, let's preview week 13. So we have six teams on by, Giants, Vikings, Bills, Ravens, Bears, and Arcadios, Raiders, all taking the week off. Uh, as for our teams who are playing this week, we just alluded to the Lions at the Saints. Saints are uh, four-point underdogs, or Lions are four-point favorites, if you will. Over under 46 in this game. Derek Carr has no receivers, and the Lions are a good team. So this game should go a certain way. You would think. It should. You would, you would think. I, the one thing, like we mentioned, obviously, the, the injuries, which is falling our way um, on their offensive side. But on the Lions' side, it sounds from what Campbell said during his press conference uh, that we might be missing uh, Alex Anzalone, our linebacker, who's the right. quarterback of our defense. He calls the plays, um, and he's played ex- extremely well, uh, especially this year. So that's a big loss. So it's going to be, I guess, uh, Jack Campbell season, Would I guess. Uh, the rookie would will probably take his spot for the most part. I mean, we have a pretty good linebacking unit. Like, we're going to rotate them in. Um, so that's a big loss, and I think he would have been one that would have been on Kamara a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious to see that matchup and if he just kind of dinks and dunks and, and is able and they're able to move the ball that way. But um, I'm looking for a bounce back game. I am, you know, it's hard to expect anything after two straight games of not looking our best. Uh, if we look like that again, I'll be pretty panicked. But um, I think that we'll clean it up and should go in and, and take the win. Uh, but mm-hmm. obviously you never know. Um, yep. Yeah, looking for a bounce back game. Mm-hmm. Marshawn Lattimore is on IR, so yeah, I'm in Ross St. Brown season. Yeah, moving on to the Niners. Game of the week, pretty much. Uh, Niners at Eagles in the link. Plus two and a half. Does that say the Niners are two and a half point favorites? Yes, it does. Uh, Correct. Yes, it does. Yeah, over under 46 and a half. Oh, man. One, I mean, the Niners yeah. will have quarterbacks this game, which helps. But that game, when when everything is even, which it looks like it pretty much is, you know, with the exception of, of Hufunga being injured, like this is pretty much both games or both teams at full strength. So, man, I don't know how I'm picking that one. This yeah, feel, feels like a disrespectful line to the to the Eagles. Absolutely. It's your team. Yeah. You have a home team with a better so record. Apparently the Niners started off a point and a half favorites and it's been betted up to two and a half points that's so bizarre um you know nick <laughs> it was funny after the lions game we had a big conversation about optimism versus pessimism going into games and and how you how you treat games and stuff um and because uh, uh, nick infamously is uh, very pessimistic about his team uh and picked against them in the in the last time they appeared in prime time uh and and Bobby was very optimistic about his team, uh, and that didn't go so well. Um, I unfortunately am on the Knicks side of this coin, uh, and I've basically been telling people since the Eagles have won that game, and even beforehand, that the Niners have a really tough chance of winning this game. Uh, and that's mostly, I think, personally down to how they've won their games. Uh, the Niners haven't won a close game. Uh, they've lost two of them that were close, and then one of them, they it was going to be close, and then it became very not close towards the end because Brock Bordy 
through interceptions. Think that the Niners can be competitive. I want to see if Lane Johnson and Fletcher Cox are playing. Mm-hmm. Uh, if Lane Johnson and Fletcher Cox are both back, I think it's really hard to, uh, for us to establish a run game, which is kind of key to the offense working. And I am taking Hertz over Purdy currently. Uh, yeah. I think Hertz is a better player uh, in most facets of the game, as much as like we were mentioning earlier, Twitter would like to tell you that Purdy should be the front runner for MVP. I guess on the positive side of the ball, uh, Kyle Shanahan knows how to scheme plays and, and Brock Purdy knows how to execute. We have a lot of talent. And then on the defense, we uh, hopefully the defense can do what they did to DK Metcalf and shut down AJ Brown or and, and kind of keep Devontae Smith to a quiet game. Unfortunately, say the Eagles are probably going to win this one, which is rough because that will put us at four losses. I think going into the season, I would have marked like the Bengals game and the Eagles game as potential losses and then maybe lose one more, uh, another game like here or there. But saying that we lost two games outside of that group, um, it's going to be even harder for us to maintain our position in the standings. So, yeah, we'll see how it goes. Mm-hmm. Uh, as for the Chiefs, we'll get to them in prime time here shortly. A couple other major games happening. You know, I bring up these games every now and then that I'm like, if you tell me in week one, this is going to be a pivotal playoff seeding matchup. The Broncos and the Texans, the Texans are three and a half point favorites at home uh, over under 47 and a half. Uh, both teams very hot right now, especially the Broncos. They're the hottest team in the league, I think, if the Eagles weren't the Eagles. So, yeah, that's the matchup that we have here. Uh, more interesting than it seemed weeks ago, obviously. I mean, I'm hoping for a Texans W here. Although, w- would I rather play the Broncos in the playoffs if that's, you know, what this ends up uh, dictating? Yeah, I'd probably rather play the Broncos in the playoffs, hypothetically. But I, I kind of want this CJ Stroud season. I want the magic to continue. So I hope the Texans can pull this one out. I'm also still a Broncos hair to the end. Same. Go the go Stroud, basically. <laughs> go Stroud. Oh, just big time CJ Stroud, Tank Dell. Let's go. Whereas we're going to start calling Tanak. him Tanak Dell. Yeah. <laughs> Tanak, yeah. Uh, also, Nico Collins season. Let's keep that going. Uh, other major game Browns at Rams and SoFi uh, Rams Rams are three and a half point favorites over under 39 and a half that's actually too high of an over under I would think honestly with uh, like it might be I feel like the Rams never put up 20 points I'd have to actually look that up but it feels like they always get like 17 every single game they, they pulled, pulled up 37 more this week. than 20 points last week <laughs> irrelevant anyway I think feel like the Rams usually only get like 17 points except when they're playing the fucking who they play the Cardinals yeah, yeah it's the Cardinals. Yeah, oh, Kyron Williams is back. Yeah, yeah Kyron Williams is back. That helps. Yeah, and he yeah. looks explosive. Like, he was incredible in that game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the Browns don't have a quarterback right now. Not really. Uh, So, yeah, the Rams are also, they're not as hot as the Packers are, but they're going to be in the NFC 7 seed playoff push, at least for the time being. I think they're 5 and 6 yeah. right now. Uh, So, yeah, they have a chance here. It's a home game, and it's, uh, it's a defense they're going to struggle against, but it's an offense that, uh, has nothing at the quarterback position right now, and they might be missing their top receiver, and they're obviously missing their running back. So, yeah, that's not an interesting game in terms of how it actually sounds to watch, but it is a relevant game for both uh, conferences' playoff seating. So that takes us to prime time Thursday night football. We have the Seahawks at the Cowboys in Jerry's world. Cowboys eight and a half point favorites here, over under forty six and a half. These are two teams that are on opposite trajectories right now with how they've been the last uh, last couple weeks. Seahawks are banged up, probably still going to be missing Kenneth Walker. Geno Smith is probably still not 100%. Cowboys have been dominant. This is a better team than the Cowboys have been playing the last few weeks. Um, but at home, with the way they've been playing, I think this is a Cowboys W here. And I wouldn't be surprised if it's a blowout. 
yeah i mean just because i don't like the cowboys i'd rather see the seahawks win this game but yeah um, i can't really see it happening this week at least i can't pick it to happen uh yeah. like you said kenneth walker most likely out um again uh Pete carroll said today he, he uh doesn't see any noticeable like improvement uh from his oblique so i, I don't think that's happening at all uh and gino yeah hasn't he's been he's banged up and he hasn't been playing that great so cowboys yeah. Yeah, same here, Cowboys. Yeah, I'm going to take the Cowboys to win their first uh, game against a winning opponent um, <laughs> at the time they played them, at least. Yep. The Seahawks, after last after the last two weeks, don't inspire confidence. It does yep. not bring joy, especially if Geno's still banged up. And it sounded like the injury that he sustained was more than a one- or two-week recovery. So, mm-hmm. yeah, not not feeling great about, uh, about the Seahawks' chances. Also, I'll... Don't think I can ever really pick the Seahawks yeah. in good in good faith, you know. Sunday night football. This is the Chiefs game. They are at Lambeau playing the Packers. Chiefs six point favorites over under forty two. I believe they said uh, this past week that this is Mahomes' first uh, time playing at Lambeau. Uh, when they were there last, I believe that was when Matt Moore was playing for an injured Mahomes. Uh, and the last game they had in twenty twenty one was at Arrowhead, and that was the one that Rodgers wasn't playing in. So. Packers are hot right now. Uh, they've they're coming off a couple wins. Uh, their biggest win of the season that they just came off of. Chiefs are uh, back on track after the loss to the Eagles with the win over the Raiders. I mean, I'm going to pick the Chiefs here. Um, this game might be a little more competitive than it might have seemed a couple weeks ago. Is kind of how I'm feeling. The pessimism in me, uh, as Dana alluded to a little bit ago, is is perking up right now. But yeah, I think the Chiefs win this one. But if it's competitive down the stretch, not going to be surprised. I think it could be competitive, uh, but a lot of it is because. Um, the Chiefs, Chiefs offense just isn't as explosive as usual. Um, mm-hmm. I think it'll, which which it'll keep teams in games longer. Even though I think the defense is going to do much better against the Packers than the Lions defense did on Thursday. God, I um, hope so. But yeah, I'm gonna, I'm going to take the Chiefs here. I'm also going to be rooting for the Chiefs because uh, fuck the Packers. <laughs> uh, Mahomes wins games. That's I think all you need to know about Patrick Mahomes. He does. Uh, although it would be very funny if they lost to the Packers. Would it? Yes, I would laugh. I would not laugh. I would cry. I would cry. Okay, Arcadio is having an issue with with his microphone, but he picks the Chiefs. So that is Sunday Night Football. Moving on to Monday Night Football. As I mentioned, I think last night when they previewed it, this game seemed a lot more interesting a couple weeks ago. Uh, Jaguars hosting the Bengals. Jags are eight and a half point favorites now. Obviously, no Burrow means a very different looking Bengals team. Over under 38 in that one. They're not expecting a lot of scoring from the Bengals. It's going to be hard for me to pick the Bengals against any good team for the rest of the season, and this game's no exception. I think the Jags win this one. Uh, you pretty much said it all. Uh, a Burrowless Bengals team is, is hard to pick, uh, especially against the Jaguars team that's playing better football now, at least on offense, than they were earlier in the season, and they're still 8-3. and three, So mm-hmm. go on the Jags. No Joe Burrow means uh, who's quarterbacking? Some rookie that you've never heard of? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not taking some rookie you never heard of over trevor lawrence and doug peterson i think he's actually like a fifth year who's just never seen playing time i believe jake browning i think that's his story cool <laughs> he <laughs> might as well be some rookie i've never heard of working to confirm hold on hold on hold on it'd be worse if he was a guy who has also been around the league for a long time and never never really won he, he, he uh, came he into the league in 2019 with yeah, the undrafted free agent signed to the Vikings, and now he's a Bengal. Been a Bengal since 2021, so he knows the system. You can you can give him that. That's about all I'm going to give him. It's the Jaguars' game to lose. Yeah, Sorry. absolutely, their game to lose. That you couldn't I couldn't have said it better than you just did there. So yeah, another primetime week where we're all in agreement. These games seem fairly easy to pick on paper. Uh, doesn't always go that way, so that's why you play the games. We'll see how things go. But 
Uh, yeah, that's our picks for week 13. Do we have Steph's picks as for the uniforms? I believe Seahawks. Yeah, yeah she Seahawks. Hate, hates all the Cowboys uniforms, which I agree with. And she took the Chiefs, unfortunately, in her own words, over the Packers because uh, the Packers uh, green and yellow is ugly as shit. That's always been my opinion as well. Uh, yeah, so she took the Chiefs in Sunday Night Football. And then in a panicked coin flip, uh, picked the Bengals. Um, yeah. Bang- we got to talk about these uniforms real yeah. quick. Bengals wearing the all whites. It is, the all uh, whites are some of the best uniforms in the NFL. Slick as hell. Jags wearing the black alternates and uh, Arcadia is mad because the Raiders, as we know, invented the color black. Yes. Do you remember the Lions black jerseys? Because those existed. No, I don't. I actually kind of liked them at the time. Looking back on them, I wouldn't want them to wear them again. But at the time, I was like, ooh, black jerseys. Those are cool. (laughs) (laughs) No, black jerseys are cool. Uh, This might be one of the better uniform matchups we get all year. And uh, is this in... Oh, this is in Jacksonville? Mm -hmm. Okay. It'll be interesting then. Because usually they wear those white uniforms at home for the whiteout games. Which is pretty sweet that they're able to like uh, get the whole stadium to like rally into that color too, uh, but this will be a pretty sweet sweet game under the lights mm-hmm. uh, as far as quality of play on the field. Not not gonna be great. Yeah, at least it's gonna look cool. So we have that. But yeah, that's how primetime's looking this week. That's how the week as a whole is looking. Niners Eagles is really carrying this week in terms of games that look really good on paper. So at least we have that one. And uh, yeah, hopefully it's another fun week. We're entering the last two weeks of the fantasy regular season, and we're entering the home stretch of the actual regular season. So uh, that's all I have as far as football goes, unless you guys have anything else. No, I hope it goes better this week. <laughs> yeah, hope it that's goes better it. for you as well. Hope the Chiefs keep it keep it going, obviously. Uh, soccer update, sad update for me, folks. Sporting Kansas City's playoff run has ended in the conference semifinals. They lost one nothing to the Houston Dynamo. Uh, there was a questionable no call on what should have been a handball in Houston, in my opinion, that would have given Sporting a penalty kick in the first half and uh, probably would have changed the course of the game, but missed the call. You can make up for those no calls if you score literally any goals in the rest of the game and go to penalties, but they just decided to not score any goals and not really get that many good opportunities. So a fortunate game, but it was a fun season, uh, especially the second half of the season as they turn the year around. So first season of watching the MLS has been a success for me and I might watch the actual MLS finals, uh, MLS cup finals when we get there. So that's the American soccer update. And I guess I'm going to have to st- have to start focusing more on premier league here from, uh, for the rest of the rest of that season until MLS gets back. Uh, champions league happened today and, uh, also some more questionable officiating. Uh, yes. and, uh, I believe Dortmund beat, uh, AC Milan and knocked them out. Uh, so I believe so. Shout out Champions League uh, and uh, looking forward to the knockout rounds. Yeah, I have not been able to watch any Champions League because it happens during the weekdays uh, in the afternoon when I'm at work and I can't watch anything. So very unfortunate, but I'm trying to follow it the best I can. Uh, Yeah, that's the update for the other football. Uh, We will keep you guys posted on how the Premier League is going, how my beloved Fulham is doing as we get further and further in the season. But I think without any further ado, that will do it for us this week at 4th and Infinity. Hope you all had a great Thanksgiving, uh, and we look forward to week 13 in the NFL, and we'll see you all next week. Goodbye, folks. Goodbye.